Peace. Welcome to the Barefoot Fruitarian Podcast, Episode 3. I hope that you're well. I hope that you're enjoying today, tonight, whatever it is for you. And today I am looking forward to sharing with you about my experience things I've learned over the past two and a half years as a full-time barefooter. Hmm, So, okay. Basically, um, two and a half years ago, about, almost, I, I, um, I made the decision to be barefoot all of the time for the foreseeable future. And yeah, (laughs) it's been quite a journey. Very rewarding. Very, mm, yeah, okay. (laughs) Where to begin? I'll begin um, about a year before that. Roughly three and a half years ago, my sister gifted to me a book called Born to Run. Uh, It's a well-known book, Christopher McDougall, uh, best-selling popular book, actually, Um, which is partially why it still surprises me that more people are not uh, doing similar things these days. Um, But anyway, in this book... Uh, the author, in case you haven't read it, um, the author basically is an athletic person and he is trying to develop his abilities as a runner. And let's see what happens. He basically, as so many people do, he started to experience injuries. He started to experience, uh, you know, knee problems and and hip problems, I think it was, and that sort of thing. And he went to doctors, and they told him, "Uh, well, you're just not cut out for running and that kind of thing. So he he gave it up. He said, all right, I guess it's not happening for me. Um, And a little while later, he was in he, he was he goes on vacation and he's in Mexico and he stumbles upon this tribe of indigenous people called uh, the Tarahumara um, or or the Rara Muri is their actual um, title that I think that they call themselves which means the running people uh, and these are people that have been around for quite a long time that are very, very advanced runners. Far more advanced than I was aware was possible for a human being. Um, so basically, <laughs> these guys, uh, all the men, the women, the children, they run, they're able to run these very, very long distances 
at a time over 100 miles, sometimes as high as long as uh, over 400 miles. And that's in one run. And I was like, what? Really? <laughs> um, that's amazing. And it turned out it's true. Turned out, yeah, people actually do this. So, uh, in the book, he goes into a lot more details about them. Uh, they spend a lot of time barefoot. And uh, they also have started to wear these minimalistic sandals that are basically just made from a, a rubber car tire with a piece of leather um, attached to the, the top of it and then a, a, some leather cord that goes between the big toe and the second toe and then around the side of the foot, the back of the foot it attaches to the sandal at the side of the foot around the ankle and then it goes around the back of the foot, attaches again to the side of the foot around the ankle and then back forward to the um, to the front where the in between the two toes um, and they, they wear that probably as an answer to modern like uh, concrete and and stuff like that I'm, I'm not sure um, but anyway I was I was very intrigued um, and you know the book goes into a lot of the history of how shoes in general are, is a pretty recent development on this planet compared with you know the span of human history we have been pretty much barefoot for a very long time on this planet we have evolved to be barefoot and uh, you know how it goes into how various shoe companies um, were actually aware that there are various health issues, health health um, hazards to wearing shoes, and even especially to the some of the more modern sneakers and and running shoes and things being even worse. Uh, some of those issues are specifically. You know, the, we, we are built to be barefoot. We have all sorts of special technologies in our feet. We have pressure points all around the bottom of the foot that um, benefits a lot from being activated when we walk barefoot. The, uh, the energies of the earth and the environment, uh, they want to pass through us. They want to pass through the body unhindered. Um, modern shoes generally are going to raise the heel up above the rest of the foot, um, which that is definitely a big issue because now all of a sudden we can't stand up properly. We have to adjust, we have to adjust our entire posture in order to avoid falling over. Um, so that's a thing, <laughs> you know, um, what else? Modern shoes are generally going to squish the toes together in a very unnatural 
way. Um, young, when we're young, we all had an experience that we've likely don't even remember at this point, but, you know, our parents made us to start wearing shoes. And every time we put them on, it was very painful <laughs> because it was, it was um, deforming our feet, basically, in these ways. Um, it was, it was forcing the toes to, to uh, aim towards the center of the foot. When really toes are supposed to splay, they're supposed to spread out quite a lot. I've seen pictures of um, indigenous people that have never worn shoes, such as the Huarorani, I think it's um, called. They're called uh, indigenous tribe in Ecuador that has always been barefoot, never worn shoes. You know, their big toes are they come out the side of the foot similar to a thumb on you know our thumbs on our hands <laughs> imagine imagine how balanced a person would be if, if um with that kind of structure of the feet intact you know you have a side support that would, could allow much greater balance the thumb, the, the big toe would separate more from the other toes, allowing us to pick up things with our feet the way they do. In the past two and a half years since I've been barefoot, my toes have spread out again quite a lot, little by little. Not, uh, I will probably not regain, um, I will probably not ever regain that kind of posture with my toe all the way out to the side unfortunately uh that's actually kind of a tragic thing that for i've come to realize so there's that um i have since since okay so yeah so i read that book and i got into running at that point i could not run half a block without being totally out of breath. So I decided to start training, um, training myself. As a full-time, as a musician for a long time, I have, you know, I know how to practice and set goals and develop on those and, you know, be diligent and with following through with them. Uh, pretty good. So, so I did that. Uh, I, at first, I just wore the flattest sandals I could find for a couple weeks, and I started working on building myself a pair of sandals, similar to the ones in the book. It took some time to do. I had to figure out, you know, most of the information on how to do it was in that book, but not all of it. Uh, for example, if you want to use a car tire, most of them nowadays have metal wires running inside of them, which are really, really difficult to cut through, next to impossible. I mean, unless you want to use power tools, I guess, which I don't. <laughs> um, and anyway, I figured out that uh, certain types of tires can be hard to find in New York, um, but I was able to find one that doesn't have those metal wires inside and so can be cut through and carved 
with a knife. Um, anyway, so I, I, after a little while, I was able to build myself a pair of those sandals. Um, and they worked. They were nice. They were a huge improvement over anything I'd worn before on my feet. And I wore those, and I got more and more into running with them. I wore them for eight months. And I developed my running significantly during that time. After eight months, I decided lose the sandals, go full on barefoot. I had been continuing to think, continuing to experience. Uh, and yeah, while the sandals can be nice, especially, I mean, if you're on, if you're in a place where you're going to be on concrete and asphalt a lot, um, you know, that's basically like sandpaper, like sandstone. So trying to run on that for miles and miles, I'm not sure that anyone could condition their feet to not get eventually sanded down. <laughs> the, uh, the calluses get getting sandled, sanded down. Um, But I, so I chose to go full-on barefoot. It was February at that point, and it was wintertime, the end of winter, or, you know, starting to lighten up the, uh, the extreme temperatures in Brooklyn at that point. One of the first things I, do, I did was to walk barefoot in the snow. And that was amazing. Uh, I had already been conditioning myself for some, some years in various practices that I'm into that I sum up as inner heat yoga, uh, you know, methods to warm the body, to control the inner thermostat. Um, you know, so, so barefooting in the snow was not as, as, not as big of a deal for me as it may have been for a lot of people at that time. It actually made it easier because the, the body has a lot of sensors on the feet to help it read the environment, help it. I found it to help me to more easily experience um, this sort of thing. <clears throat> to, to, I mean to say, to more easily experience uh, and read the outside temperatures and, and so on, and then regulate the, uh, the inner thermostats. So yeah, I made a decision. I knew that it was going to be challenging uh, in various ways, socially especially. Um, I didn't know how much, but yeah, so let's talk on that, the, the social challenges. Um, for various reasons, there is quite a stigma against a person walking barefoot. Um, and people will, you know, people will cause um, trouble. People do cause trouble for barefooters. There are stores um, around the country and around the world that 
um, uh, they will not allow you in, or they will make you to leave. And often they will be very disrespectful and, and speak, sort of speak down to a barefooter. Um, and at first that was very unpleasant. It, it took me a long time to learn to deal with those things. But it's good. I mean, it, if, something, if something is upsetting to a person in life, uh, I find that that is an opportunity, that is a great opportunity, that we can be very appreciative for. It's, it's an opportunity to look within, because the frustration, the, the difficult feelings, it, it never is actually to do with the external circumstances. I'll say almost never, either never or almost never. <laughs> um, it, it's so it's an opportunity to explore. So what is what is it about this? That that how is it that I'm upsetting myself? That this trigger, this external trigger, can be um, just that it, a trigger for that a, a an impetus to look within. Um, so yeah, uh, part of what had inspired me to choose to go full on full-time barefoot, uh, during my time when I was still wearing sandals, I had, I had, um, discovered a couple online forums, uh, yeah. I had discover, discovered a couple online forums, uh, Society for Barefoot Living, um, barefooters.org, both very good, um, that barefoot is legal, uh, and some other ones. I discovered there's, there's people out there that are organizing on the internet their efforts um, and sharing information and so on. Uh, I found out that these no shoes, no shirt, no service signs that discriminate against people, uh, they appeared, I'm told, around, um, I think it was in the 60s, the 1960s, uh, just around the time that the racist signs that were no longer acceptable disappeared from the store's windows, the ones that used to say... Uh, no Mexicans, no Jews, no Blacks, uh, whites only, and stuff like that. Um, hmm. They disappeared and were replaced with these signs instead, which serve a similar function, actually. Yeah. More information about that can be found through those links that I just mentioned, um, if anyone is interested to, uh, you know, to, to look into it. Um, yeah, so I, I had been, I had been looking into some of these groups, and I discovered there was, uh, this guy, Ben, who, um, had been living in New York as a full-time barefooter for, uh, I forget, he had said two or three years. And he was sharing about his experiences 
um, and you know he he was training to become a physical therapist, and he was fighting for uh, he was fighting against discrimination at his university he was attending that was sometimes giving him trouble for being barefoot. Um, and I got inspired by that, you know. Um, when I was a teenager, I attended a rainbow gathering. A bunch of people in the woods working on living a, a, a good lifestyle, a better lifestyle. And, um, yeah, I was barefoot for about a month straight, maybe even a little longer at that point. And, um, I didn't think about it that much. I just, that's what I was doing. But then when I went back to the city afterwards, Philadelphia, um, you know, I got the idea that so many people have in their heads, well, you can't do that in the city. Maybe you can do it outside of the city, but you can't do it in the city. Well, anyway, Ben showed me that that's not true. Uh, you can do it in the city. You can very much do it in the city. <laughs> and it's it's great. It's actually cleaner, too. People say, oh, it's dirty in the city. And, and I'm like, yeah, it's dirty in the city. Uh, it would be great if we would keep things cleaner, uh, stop polluting the air and all this, you know, that we're doing, at least do it less. Um, but even with things as they are, um, in the way I see it, it's actually cleaner to walk barefoot. Because if you think about it, um, I wash my feet. And even just walking on the grass and, and so on is, <laughs> it it uh, it's clean. It cleans them. My feet are constantly exposed to the air flow, um, carrying things. A air is basically like the same thing as water, except about one quarter of the, the density. Um, and it cleans things. Contrast that with wearing shoes, especially closed shoes, you know, it, it blocks the air. It puts, it puts the feet in a closed, moist environment. Closed, moist environment. Especially um, when we're wearing socks and so on, it, it gets pretty nasty. And how often do people wash their shoes? You know? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, it might sound kind of like um, out there if it's the first thing, the first time that a person is, is thinking about this stuff, but, but, I mean, am I making sense? Um, so there's that. So I learned, with the help of some very nice people uh, online, um, how to start to tackle some of these issues and get used to, you know, dealing with this, the social, well, the social challenges uh, I've developed the ability, when I go into a shop, almost always, not always, if someone decides to give me trouble, I'm able to just calmly speak with them and, and have a conversation, um, explain 
my perspective, explain that it's it's legal um, to be barefoot and that there are actually laws that protect my rights to be barefoot and to be um, allowed into any public establishment, any shop that um, that accommodates the public, including grocery stores and restaurants and uh, everywhere, is actually required by law. They, they cannot discriminate against a person for uh, for barefooting. Um, and so I've learned I carry little ID cards that, that help to speed along these conversations faster. There is still occasionally someone who is just not going to listen to reason. And I've learned to more and more as time goes on to just accept that as being what it is and explain to them that I think that's not a nice way to treat people and then leave. Um, you know, it's, you don't really want to be somewhere you're not welcome anyway, right? So, okay, so there's that. Um, there was... Okay, yeah, so the reason that I wear... Uh, I do wear, actually, a type of shoe for the past year and a half, in a sense. Um, sort of camouflage. Uh, to make my life easier. Uh, I designed something after one year of going completely barefoot uh, and getting a lot more hassle than I thought was necessary. Traveling through Florida, um, there was a couple really nasty shop uh, people working in shops um, that just were really, really rude to me and and unpleasant um, and in addition to that I was actually physically assaulted a couple times in the first year as well uh, the first time I was walking nearby a mall in Brooklyn and it was like after school a bunch of kids were getting let out I got this weird feeling actually intuitively and so I decided to leave on from that area and I was leaving, and there was these kids um, that they, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, they'll make some comment, I forget. Oh, you have no shoes, or something like, where is your shoes, whatever. And I just smiled at them and gave them a thumbs up and kept walking. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe they couldn't see, and they thought I was giving them the finger, or so. I have no idea, but about 20 feet after that, 30 feet, I... Uh, I turned my head, and uh, one of them had thrown his fountain soda at me from behind, which hit me from behind. And then he ran back to his friends, and they stood there looking at me as if, like, what, you know, like they were ready to fight if I was going to come over them and want to fight. And I just looked at them, and I was just like, why would you do that? It's terrible. Um... But I was pretty upset, and I just stood there being upset. And then a woman stopped, and she said, Are you okay? And uh, I came to realize she was just one of the many people that thought that because I wasn't wearing shoes that I was um, maybe not okay or something. Um, 
and I was not okay. I was pretty upset at that moment. <laughs> but what had just happened to me was terrible. Um, and I said to her, no, I'm not okay. These, these kids just came up from behind me and threw their soda at me. And uh, she looked at me and then she just like walked away. So that was even more upsetting, you know, because uh, whatever, just, yeah. Anyway, so I walked off and, and I cooled down and I, I processed what had happened. And um, yeah, but to, yeah, I'll just briefly outline, you know, there was, I was at a, one of those large box stores in, um, in Florida, and I was looking at a pocket knife, and the guy from behind the counter, he's helping me, and gives me the pocket knife, um, and then he sees um, that I'm not wearing shoes, and he says, oh, if you don't wear shoes, then I'm, I'm not going to give you any service, and I was like, you know, I tried to calmly speak with him, but he was completely irrational, um, and he just wouldn't help me. He was like, refused. I went to his manager and talked with her and she told him to help me. Um, and, you know, I had been reading some nice philosophies that were beginning to help with this stuff. And I said, I shared with him one of them. I said, well, how can I be so upset with you about this? Um, because you're doing what you think is right, as am I. <laughs> and we sort of had a, a little moment. He said, he like looked at me and he said, yeah. <laughs> so even though it was mostly unpleasant, there was that. Uh, yeah, and there was another, there was a woman when I was driving through um, South Carolina, I think. I was driving back north and I went into a shop and I bought some food. And, uh, and I sat in the parking lot and ate some of the food and I went back in to buy something else. And the woman then uh, behind the counter said, you can't be in here, you have no shoes. And I tried to explain to her um, and talk with her peacefully, but she would not. She was completely irrational um, and angry with me. She thought that I was like refusing to leave. Like I was just standing there and saying, okay, I'll leave, but can I just talk with you for a minute? Um, and she seemed like she was willing to talk with me, but I think she was also very uncomfortable. Maybe she thought that I was unsafe to be around or something. I, I don't know, but she, she was calling on the phone to her manager or something, and she says to her manager, like, He's, he refuses to leave. And I, and I just said, uh, look, I'm not refusing to leave. I just wanted to discuss with you a little bit of my side of the story if you're going to treat me this way. And then I left. Um, and, uh, but that was pretty upsetting, too, at that moment. I, um, <clears throat> I got in my vehicle and started to drive away, and I noticed her coming out of the shop and walking towards me, and I drove away fast. I don't know what that was about. Um, yeah. Ugh. <sighs> Okay, so then I got back to Philadelphia a while, a little while later, uh, a few days later, driving, and um, and I was greeted with a very unpleasant experience. 
These things need to change. This kind of discrimination is not okay. I'm going to tell you this one more thing that happened to me. I went to the grocery store that I grew up shopping at, three blocks away from the house that I grew up in, in Philadelphia. And I had a similar reaction from one of the, uh, the clerks at, in the front. This guy who was, um, you know, very unhealthy looking uh, teenager. He's, he says with a, a very like congested type of voice, uh, what is it, you, you, you're gonna need some shoes if, if you wanna be in here or something like that. And I tried to talk with him peacefully again. And, uh, and then I asked to speak with the manager, to please speak with the manager. Um, and uh, he says, what did he say? That I am the manager? I don't know. And then uh, I got out my phone and I started calling. I started looking for the phone number of the place of the uh, the shop because often barefooters in a similar situations will like call corporate or call the the number and um, they'll find out that there's actually no policy against barefooting and that will that will calm the situation but not this time no this guy when I'm when I'm doing that he was obviously a very unhappy person that had a lot of frustration in his in himself for whatever reasons which is unfortunate um but at that moment he was pretty overwhelmed with anger and he started to run towards me physically running towards me and i was like whoa okay um <laughs> and i ran out of the store fortunately because i'd been into running for a while it wasn't such a big deal to, to outrun the guy but not very pleasant. I ran out of the store and I stopped right outside the front door and he was standing right there inside the front door and I put up my two hands with my palms open in front of me and I looked at him in the eye and I said, please. And he exhaled pretty vigor vigorously and slammed the door. And then I stood over at the side of the shop for a little while and tried calling that phone number. And then I was connected to the same person that had just uh, chased me physically. After that, my brother says to me, you know, you don't need to be like a martyr for this. Maybe you wanna start wearing some sort of camouflage at least. I had already experimented with you know, there's designs that people have made where they sort of cover the top of the foot and not the bottom of the foot. I had tried buying one of them one time, but they, I didn't like the design. I didn't find it. Uh, I think it was a good idea, but the design needed work. It, the, the one that I got, it had a strip of fabric, a thin strip of fabric that went under the foot, but it didn't go under the foot where it should go. Like, if it's going to go under the foot, which is kind of you know, right between where the, there's the heel of the foot and then there's the, um, the side of the foot that connects to the ground. There's a small part of skin there that does not touch the ground. And so that's where the strap should go. Otherwise you're just gonna sand it down real quick walking on it. Um, but anyway, I developed my own type of shoes, type of uh, what I now call bottomless shoes. 
um, which I started wearing since then in public. Uh, they just cover the top of the foot, um, and they go, they tie around the back, they attach to one toe, and you can still tell, you can still see, you know, that what they are, but at a glance, they look like sandals, and so it, it helps, it helps, like, reduce the, the pressure. Um, yeah, so I've been doing that since then for the past year and a half. Um, hmm. anyway, so that needs a lot of work, and I hope that will change. I hope that one day soon, humanity will come to understand shoes in a similar light to cigarettes. Cigarettes uh, used to be viewed as healthy. Uh, I visited the New York Transit Museum before, and I looked at trains that are like 50 60 years old or so, maybe 70, I don't know. And they have signs on, on their advertisements that are still up. Uh, smoke cigarettes recommended by doctors, good for your health. Well, now no one thinks that. People still smoke, but people aren't going to tell you that it's healthy. You know, aside from maybe people doing some sort of ceremonial type of... Uh, practices where they might, you know, take a puff of tobacco like once in a, every once in a while or something, I, I don't know, but in general it's not looked at as healthy, but people still do it. And they can do it if they want, that's fine, I'm not saying no one should, it's, uh, you know, live and let live, that's one of the primary messages here that uh, is significant to me. Um, but, yeah, it would be good if people more commonly would come to understand it's far healthier to walk barefoot. And I'll go into that more right now, a little bit. Um, when I used to walk, or most of my life, uh, as a, a shod person, a person that wears shoes, um, I thought it was normal that if you walk for a while and then you start to feel pain in your foot, like after a few miles or something in the arch of the foot, for example, or the knees, um, that that's just normal. It's, you know, you walked enough, it needs time to rest. Uh, but since going full-time barefooter, I don't that's completely gone away. I can walk morning, day, and night if I want to without stopping. You know, if I'm a bit more sedentary in the winter and then and I don't walk and I don't run, then I may have to build up again the body, you know, over the course of a few days, couple weeks. But I don't get that kind of uh, pain in the body. My entire skeletal structure has changed and is still changing. Um, because the feet are the foundation, that's what we stand on. My feet have gotten stronger, my, my toes have spread out a lot. My mood is just far better. Um, uh, 
yeah it's great it's it's a profound thing but yet still i mean even most people on these forums that i've talked with they don't go barefoot 100 percent of the time um they go barefoot a lot of the time or most of the time but they'll wear shoes because they have to for work um and just say yeah i wear shoes at work um i mean and i've uh i've managed ways around that but that's also been challenging and but it's important enough to me that i'm restructuring my whole life because uh i'm committed i would like to be barefoot for the rest of my life i hope to never be forced to wear shoes again i think it's tragic that so many people are um what else uh frequently asked questions um people ask me what about glass aren't you concerned that you'll step on a piece of glass or a needle or something and um good question no uh the human body is very technologically advanced machine uh and it's been walking barefoot for a very long time at first if we're used to wearing shoes yeah our feet are in a weakened condition and so a person needs to be careful about transitioning um in the first year I did get cut a couple times by glass because I hadn't yet developed uh, stronger calluses and I hadn't yet developed my awareness of, the, of walking and feeling the ground well enough to the point where um, to the point where I am now, which is if I feel something that is sharp that might um, be potentially going to hurt me, I just don't put my weight there. It's more and more automatic as time goes on. I can only imagine how, you know, someone who has been their whole life barefoot, how aware and balanced that they must be. Um, you know, it's like if you if you see a tree, you don't walk into the tree. Uh, it's the same kind of thing for me. Um, you know, people say, oh, it's a health hazard. We, we can't let you in the, the shop because you might hurt yourself. Um, they, they don't, there's, if, you, if a person looks up online, there's no one that walks barefoot that goes into stores and injures themselves and then sues. It, it just doesn't happen. People, when, when, when people are barefooters, they're far more balanced, generally speaking. Um, Wearing sandals is a huge hazard, and many people injure themselves walking, wearing sandals in retail stores and so on, and then sue the place. <laughs> you know, but uh, they're still allowed in. You know, if but if a shop was truly trying to say, you know, oh, you can't come in because it's a liability, then they shouldn't allow anyone in with sandals. <laughs> Um, shoes as well, but sandals especially. So you have to sort of hold them on with your toes while you walk. And it's really weird. Flip-flops and sandals. Um, yeah. So there's there's the glass thing. 
the cold, well, let's save that for another podcast, the inner heat yoga. Um, I will go in more deeply about that another point at another point in time. Uh, let's see what else. It's just been very rewarding. It feels so much better, so much better to be barefoot. I can't explain it. There's no words. But I've experienced it, as many have. And maybe that's enough for today. Okay, thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of this. Feel free to reach out to me through email. BrettCohenSounds at gmail.com B-R-E-T-C-O-H-E-N-S-O-U-N-D-S at gmail.com If you would like any sort of coaching or or anything like that on these topics Hmm. Let's finish today today's talk with three ohms And next time, we'll go further. May all beings be happy and free.